0: Amen. I have loved uh, this series of messages and uh, we are still have a couple more weeks left, but just talking about the goodness of God and getting that kind of squared away as sort of one of the big rocks in the way that we view God and the way that he interacts with us. We've been talking about this for a few weeks and talking about the goodness of God and that out of the goodness of God, God loves to do good things for his children. And James 1, verse 17 says, Every good thing given, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting Shadow. I think that's amazing to think that no matter what is going on, God is good. Amen. Whether it's cold in the morning or whether it's warm in the morning, whether it's raining or sunshine, uh, whether the economy is up or down, whether the Democrats or the Republicans are holding the presidential office, God is still good. Amen. And, and he's not limited by any of that stuff in terms of giving good things to us. And, uh, and to, to, to really get this clear in the way that we view God and live life, that God is the source, God is the originator of all things that are good in life, all the good things that are in life. And um, to, to get a hold of this idea and let this idea get a hold of us. This is the nature of our God. Uh, this is the character of God. This is God's disposition toward you and towards me. And then just understanding that the origin of that favor is the grace of God. It's not, it's not how good you are, it's how good He is and that determines him giving good things into your life. Because even after you've been a, a believer for a short amount of time or a long amount of time, it's so easy to fall into that performance trap and performance mentality. If I do this, God will do that. But God is a good God who always likes to do good things whether you deserve it or not. Thank God he doesn't give us what we deserve. Come on. Aren't you glad for that? So today I want to take a few moments and talk about uh, when good things turn bad. When good things turn bad. How how do we process the goodness of God when things are not going, excuse my English, good for us, (laughs) when they're not going well for us? Because sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the goodness of God when our own experience doesn't feel good in the moment. So I'm going to give you a couple of ideas that I think could help us navigate through all of that and understand that whether you're going through a good time or a bad time, uh, whether you're you're on an upswing or a downswing, God is still good and he still has good in mind for your life. So, uh, so the first idea to, ho- to understand is, is this um, tension that has to be managed between life is hard, God is good. Both of those things are true simultaneously. There's a, there's a word for the study of God's goodness Existing alongside pain and suffering and injustice and all of the inequalities of life. It's called theodicy. Theodicy is is this understanding that in everyone's life and in all the world, there is evil and good, there is suffering and blessing, there is hardship. And joys, and both of those can be experienced personally in the same day, <laughs> in the same moment. They can be happening. It the, all of those things—evil and good, uh, suffering and blessing, hardship and joy—is literally a part of everyone's life. Everyone experiences all of those things, and I know sometimes when you are looking at, uh, and when you're looking at somebody's Facebook post and you think, man, they are just living the high life, uh, the truth is you're just seeing their highlight reel. You're, you're not seeing their real life, their daily life. And of course, all the people who actually post too much of their real life, those are the ones we hide. And uh, you, know, I, you don't do that. I don't do that. But uh, well, actually I do. I don't want to lie in church. But <laughs> But, uh, but understanding that that you could be looking at somebody else and thinking, well if If I had that that they have, if I had their spouse, if I had their job, if I had their talent, if I had their looks, if I had their societal position, if I had whatever, if i had if I had that, then I could go, well of course God is good, but I promise you that everybody, no matter what it looks like, is going on in their life is experiencing. Pain and suffering and trouble and hardship, along with blessing and joy and peace, it all goes together. Everyone experiences all of them together. Psalm 23 is a passage that a lot of us would be familiar with, and I want to read it, and I want you to, to kind of envision with me as we read through this the, con- the, the contrast of the different things that are happening Um, in David's thinking and mentality as he writes Psalm 23. Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. (laughs) That means he knows God is a good God who will do good things. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Those are awesome days. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake so he's describing this thing that that the good shepherd is leading him into green pastures quiet waters restored soul being you know having clear guidance and knowing exactly where to go which is a big thing to have and then he says in verse 4 even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death wait, wait 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 don't I have a good shepherd You know, don't don't I have green pastures and quiet waters? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Oh, wait a minute. I'm a nice guy. Why should I have enemies? You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sometimes we're on the mountaintop and it's all sunshine and blue skies and the leaves are turning. And in the next month, there's going to be no leaves. It's going to be gray and brown and cold, just casting a vision for your future, <laughs> sometimes it's, we're on the mountaintop of sunshine, but sometimes storms roll in, that's everybody's life, sometimes our path leads us down into the valley, the though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, That the path seems narrow. The the obstacles are in the way. It doesn't seem like I have clear direction. Sometimes life is full of peaceful waters and green pastures. And I I just want us to understand that life is both, boss. It's green pastures and still waters, but it's also walking through the valley of the shadow of death. That's what life is. Life is, there are enemies. You wish there weren't. You don't want there to be, but there are enemies. But there's also a bountiful table set by your shepherd right in the presence of your enemies. And to, to get a hold of this idea that the ability to hold truth's intention is a form or a mark of maturity. It, you know, it's, it is childish and childish thinking to think it's it's all this or it's all that. And the concept that can help us navigate through difficult times and difficult seasons and difficult days is the focus that you take. the, the What do you focus on? Because that's what makes all the difference. So some people have a life is hard focus. You, you know them. I mean, no matter what happens, they're just waiting for something wrong to happen, no matter even if a good thing happens. They're just believing for a wrong thing. They're believing for a bad thing. No matter what has taken place, no matter what happens, they're focused on, yep, see what I told you? Life is hard. But it is hard. But then other people have a focus where they understand God is good. And no matter if if you're going through great times or you're going through difficult times, that doesn't change the fact that God is good. He's always good. Even though you are walking through a valley, he's still good. Even though you are experiencing some difficulty, he's still good. Good. I I know some people, they love to take a life is hard stance on everything. They build entire theologies. They build entire doctrines, entire, you know, church atmospheres about how life is hard and we're always swimming upstream. And I just got to tell you, the goodness of God is greater than the hardness of life. So so don't think when you're experiencing life as hard that somehow you've done something wrong or somehow it's God has abandoned the throne in your life. God's goodness is greater than your personal experience. The second idea I think that could help us navigate through when when, uh, bad things happen in good times to good people is this, you got to remember that life is a long story made up of many chapters. Everything that happens in your life is a chapter in a story. Everything that happens in your life is a spice in the recipe. Now, I don't know, how many of you guys like Indian food, like curry food? Come on, come on, the godly people in this room. I love curry. It's like if you like curry, you're my friend. And but but you ever you don't want to just put a spoonful of curry in your mouth. And sometimes the spice that makes the recipe work is not tasty by itself. There are some things that you go through it's just a frame in the movie, it's not a picture of your life, and you don't get to decide the chapters of your life all the time. There are some things that get affected by your choice.'s no question. but I can re- I know there are many chapters that I have walked through, and I've been thinking about the fact that this is a story <laughs> that I'm going through and I'm walking through this is just a chapter, and I'm thinking. I'm not liking this chapter of the story. I don't really like this. You can't decide all the chapters, but how you frame those chapters ends up deciding how the story turns out. Your life is intended by God to be a magnificent story. Let me try that again. Your life Is intended by God to be a magnificent story and your story is not over yet no matter what chapter you find yourself in today your story isn't over yet psalm 139 is one of my favorite passages verse 14 says i will give thanks to you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul knows it very well My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. That's an interesting idea. When as yet there was not one of them. In other words, you are being formed in your mother's womb fearfully and wonderfully made skillfully wrought by God for your story. And your story is a unique story. (laughs) You, You were born with a unique set of giftings, a unique set of talent, a unique set of personality, a unique anointing. That's all about God equipping you to fulfill your story. So I'm just saying it to you, nobody else can sing your song. I don't know what you're thinking. Pastor, you ain't not even heard me sing before. <laughs> Believe me, nobody could sing my song. But nobody else can say your words. Nobody else can bring your touch. And people, people are waiting for what you have to offer. Come on you got to know this. This is what he's saying. My soul knows this very well. I, I'm one of the best things that ever arrived on the planet. I'm not, I'm not better than anybody else, but I'm the best me. And there's no other me. There's no other you. And you are the best you. God needed one of you. That's why he made you. He already had another Kirk Bowman, he had one of those, but he made another one of you because he needed you and he needed me to do the things I'm called to do, say the things I'm called to say. God put a unique thing inside of you that is part of your impact on this world. You're not here just to survive a few days, pay a few bills. You, You have an ordained, unique story But every great story has tension and release. If, if it doesn't have that, it's a boring story. And there's no boring people in this room. Every great story has conflict and resolution. Come on, think about this. Every great story has a good guy and a bad guy. Every great story has a damsel in distress who needs to be rescued. And I don't mean just female. And if God is writing a story with your life, sometimes when you're in the the tension chapter, or the conflict chapter, or the facing the bad guy chapter, or the damsel is imprisoned chapter, it is easy to start to feel like this is my story. It's not your story, it's a chapter in your story. I remember, uh, 25 years old. I found myself feeling like I hit a dead end. and it's uh, here. I, I mean, 25 is nothing. I'm just a I'm just a baby, 25 years old, and and uh, <laughs> yeah. I and I had I had I felt God's call to ministry and. I had traveled around the country in this singing group that that had launched out of our Bible college, and I literally went to most of the United States, to several places in Canada. Uh, I'd been on staff at my local church that I got saved in for a year and a half, and then I launched out, you know, for six, eight months of just traveling and preaching throughout the Southeast and little bitty churches and all this, and All of a sudden, here I am, 25 years old, and all this has happened, and it felt like I was at a dead end. I felt like I was at the end, and I'm thinking to myself, I thought God had called me to the ministry, but everything in my life had kind of come to a standstill. And when you're in one of those moments, you you can feel like, well, I guess I'm just a cast off. I guess I'm just done. I guess I've done something wrong, or I somehow I've missed my boat, or missed my my opportunity, or or the, you know there was door one, two, three, and I chose the wrong one, or you know anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, you, you, you know, that can have, But you got to remember that that Moses. Had a call from God, but then he had 40 years on the backside of the desert. But that wasn't the whole story. That was just a chapter of the story because a good God was watching over him ready to do good things. And Joseph had this magnificent dream, and all of a sudden, he you find him in prison for years, people accusing him of all kinds of things that he didn't even do, but he's in prison, falsely accused. And here's David. He'd been anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the king, but now he's hiding in a cave that another person is taking a poop in. Read your Bible. And I mean... When you're when you got when you're hiding in somebody's bathroom, you know, you're you're kind of dredging bottom. You know, so you're thinking, what is going on here? And and if you would have walked into Moses story or Joseph's story or David's story at that chapter, you would have thought these guys are losers. But I'm just here to remind you that God is a good God. And that even though you might be in a tough chapter right now, your story is not over. Life is hard in some chapters, but the whole story ends up, God is good. The the third idea I think that could help us navigate through some of these uh, things is to recognize that hope is an anchor for our soul in tough times. Real hope is based in the goodness of God, It's not based in your own ability to fix things all the time, because sometimes you don't feel like you have, and sometimes you don't have the capacity to fix everything. Proverbs 23, verse 18 says, Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Your future, your expectation of the future can be strong. And I want to make sure that we understand that hope is not just wishful thinking. You know, hope is not like, I hope it works. I hope this happens. I hope things work out. I hope God's a good God. Kind of just, you know, sort of wishful thinking. No, when the Bible talks about hopes, it talk, hope is a positive expectation That future good is coming. I don't know what the future holds, but what I do know is it's going to be good. That's what hope does. In the past few weeks, months, uh, the Democratic and Republican presidential candidates have stated their position, and they have stated their vision for the future and where they want things to go. And what they are... Offering as solutions to the problems that we're facing, and that our our nation is facing, and our world is facing, and that we are facing as individuals, and I don't know, I just I think we all have a feeling that this feels shaky, <laughs> like like think, I, neither choice feels good, and. And we're having these arguments, don't worry, I'm not gonna get political, so you're okay. I'm okay, you're okay, right? But I mean, these arguments are going on, I mean, there are immigration issues. There, our nation is 20 trillion in debt. There, there is terrorism to factor in. Our economy is relatively flat, we are, we are bombarded on a regular basis with the racial divides that exist in our country and our world. And I just want to say, you can look at all that, and I'm just going to ask you, how do you feel about your future? You know, how do you feel about the future? How, how, how is your future soul because hope is a posture our soul takes toward the future i don't know if you write things down but that would be a good one to write down hope is a posture that our soul takes looking at the future the opposite of that would well, that hope would be despair Hope is oxygen to your soul. A person who's living in hope believes everything is going to work out for good, because that's what the Bible promised. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good, Even if you're eating a little curry spice today, it works together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Here's what I love. Our hope is based in a person, God, who has made promises, whose character is good and hope becomes an anchor for your soul when you recognize that God is God no matter what is going on around you in our nation in our world a person living in hope believes that the best days of life are ahead the best is yet to come that's what hope does for your soul A person who's living in hope is always on the lookout for a good thing, right? They're looking for a new opportunity. They're looking for a new relationship possibility. They're looking for a new thought. They're looking for a fresh perspective. And I just want us to be sure we understand this. Life is going to rise and fall to your expectations, And if your expectations are fueled by hope in a good God, your life is going to rise to that. But if your your expectations are fueled by despair, your life is going to fall to that. Eventually, come on, I've lived long enough now to talk like this. I'm 60 years old. I can say this kind of thing. Eventually. Not every time, but over all the course of the ups and the downs and the summers and the winters and the hardships and the great times, eventually you will end up where your expectations bring you. You got to hang on to a hopeful expectation. If you're looking for good in the future, you can find it. If you're looking for reasons to despair concerning the future, you can find those too. Hebrews um, chapter 6, I want to read a a verse, and then I want to read the the passage from the message. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, this hope we have is an anchor for the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. I love the context and uh, this found in in the message. And it says it's Hebrews 6.16. When people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them. So if there's any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word a rock solid guarantee. God Can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. I love these next two sentences. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Come on. Somebody needs to say amen. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. Come on. Keep hope alive in your soul. It's an anchor for your soul, and it's anchored in the goodness of God. Then the last thing I want to say about how do we navigate through when, when good times turn bad, you got to remember that there's fresh favor for today. Today's favor is not the same as yesterday's favor. The children of Israel got in the wilderness and the favor of God was manna. But then they started complaining because the manna tasted different than the leeks and the onions and the stuff that was in Egypt. The favor of one season was different than the favor of another season. I really want you to hear this. The favor of today may not look like the favor of yesterday. And if we keep wanting the favor of today to be the favor of yesterday, we can get in despair. Anybody hear what I'm saying? You, you, can, you can want that to be happening again, but that's over and we're out of Egypt. Now we're in the manna season of favor. I think the best way to honor the past is to not get stuck in it. <laughs> Amen. To stay creative, to stay confident that there is a fresh supply of favor today don't get stuck thinking your best days are over I'm going to say that to this side of the room don't get stuck thinking your best days are over because there's fresh favor for today I think the, the church world is maybe the worst for this one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to get sentimentally attached to a past season of favor versus moving forward to experience a new season of God's favor. I've watched this in the life of our church. And it, it, it's not just in church life, but it, it's really in a lot of places. People found themselves in favor in one season. The tide turned the the road shifted things got different god moved us forward god moved us on and they kept trying to find their place in the church in last season's favor can my hear what i'm saying and and when they they can they can't recreate that place they have a hard time finding themselves today in the favor of God in the flow of God in the move of God and I want to say that can happen in your family that can happen in your business that can happen in your own personal world where you can get stuck trying to live off of yesterday's favor I'm preaching this to somebody you're trying to live off of yesterday's favor when yesterday is over and that's what makes you feel like it's a bad time because you're eating stale, excuse me, maggot-filled manna. That's what happened to the manna, by the way. Always be willing to shift gears and put on a lens that allows you to see today's favor. These, these are the glasses, uh, one of the pair that I wear um, in this season of my life. About 15 years ago I, um, I I discovered accidentally that I needed to start wearing glasses and this is a pair that I that I wore about 10 years ago. Kind of horrid. But the problem is I can't see anything. This isn't my style anymore, and it doesn't fit my vision today. That's why I got to put on some new glasses to see today. I'm just encouraging us, don't get stuck Defending a perspective or an angle that fit 10 years ago, and it's not working with God's favor on your life today. <laughs> be, be willing to put on a lens that can see the goodness of God today. And quit asking for it to look the same as it was yesterday. Amen. I want to pray with you today. Would you take a moment, please, and just bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I recognize and and in no way would I ever minimize the difficulty of of a tough season. But I just want to declare that God is a good god no matter what season we're in and you've always got a plan of restoration you've always got a plan of better than before because that's the kind of god you are i'm praying for every person today that maybe feels discouraged or disappointed or or feels washed ashore that you are speaking to their soul today and fresh, living, active, strong hope is arising in them in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to take a minute. Maybe you're here today and you've actually never really given your life to Jesus. You've never just committed yourself to say, Lord, I want my life in your hands. I want you to be the Lord of my life I'm tired of running this on my own. I need you. I would love to pray with you. If you're here today and maybe there was a day when you know you used to be closer to Jesus than you are today, and it's time for you to come back home, I want to pray with you. Maybe you feel unsure about where you stand with God today. I want you to leave today with confidence. That your life is in the hands of a good god so nobody looking around just a couple more minutes we're gonna be together if you're here today and you say pastor i've never given my life to christ but i know i need to or i used to be close but i'm not now and i know i need to come home or i don't feel confident but i want to if any of those describes you you say pastor would you pray for me and even more important than me praying for you is god seeing you would you just lift your hand right now and say, that's me, I want to give my life to Christ. God bless you, God bless you. Anybody else that just says, yes, that's me, God bless you, sir, thank you. Come on, anybody else that just says, yes, I need Jesus, I want him, I I need to come back to him, I wanna be sure I'm right with him. I want my life in the hands of God. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Let's pray together. Everybody say this after me. This is for those who lifted their hands, but I would love for us all to pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning for me as I commit to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.